will never hear me spreading Amazon rumors ever because I don't, um, I don't, unless I know someone who it's happened to or it's happened to me, you will not hear me talking any rumors that are going out there and believe me, I hear them all. So I am just someone who is, when it happens, I'll deal with it because Amazon changes all the time. They could throw this out and do something else. It's still months away. You never know what's gonna happen. Hi, and welcome to Your Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kirk, AKA Your Selling Guide. In 2017, I quit a steady corporate desk job to travel the US in an RV. Along the way, I started selling on Amazon, grew multiple successful businesses, and wound up back to my roots as a small town girl. Today, I'm still doing what I love, selling on Amazon and helping other sellers start and grow their own online businesses. Each week on Your Selling Podcast, we will cover different aspects of selling online and highlight other sellers just like you and I. From part-time sellers creating extra income on the side to full-time sellers growing million-dollar businesses. Think of this as a sit-down with your Amazon bestie where we can learn and grow our online businesses together. Welcome to Your Selling Podcast. Hey crew, and welcome back to another episode of Your Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kirk. Today I am doing an Amazon Q&A. So these are questions that were asked over text. So if you didn't know, you can text me anytime. My number is 503-461-5985. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I will put it right here on the screen, but it's also in the show notes. So if you're on your mobile app or your mobile phone, you can just click the link and it'll open your messenger app right for you and you just shoot me a text. I really love checking in and connecting with the Amazon community and my YSG community. So if you are in the Dallas, Texas area on April 13th, or you would like to be, and you wanna fly in and you wanna source or drive in or whatever, however you get there, I'll be flying. But if you wanna join us for another Amazon seller meetup, that is happening April 13th. It's a Saturday in Dallas, Texas. It's in the evening, so I think it's six to nine. We have food, drinks, and we're gonna be playing shuffleboard, electric shuffleboard. Now, I don't know anything about shuffleboard so and it'll be an adventure and there's a couple of games but mostly we have our own little area so we'll be mixing and mingling and it's going to be a really great time so hopefully i see you there you can sign up rsvp at yoursellingguide.com slash meetup to get your tickets your spouses friends business partners are welcome to come they just have to be over 21 because it is a bar but yeah i would love to see you guys there Jumping right into the questions, Laura asked, how do you deal with sales tax when sourcing outside of your home state? So believe it or not, because you know I did five years, six years of selling in an RV full time, traveling all around. So I actually never, I don't think I ever, maybe I did in the, no, because I didn't have sales tax. I never used my sales tax exempt in the state that it was actually issued in, but I've used it in just about all the other states. You just, anytime you want to use sales tax exempt, so if you've not done this before, all you do is you've got your, you know, sales tax from, from the form, from the government, the, what, the state, can't talk today. Anyway, so you've got your state form. It looks different in different states. I've had a couple in a various different states before Amazon used to do the tax for you. You had to do it your own. So I had like 10 at one point. Anyways, they mostly look like when you go to the hairdresser or hair salon and they've got their license on the wall. It kind of looks like that. It's just a paper you print out. You don't have to tell the retailers, um, you can tell them, but you don't have to say I'm using it for resale. When they ask, yes, I say it, but if you wanna know, can I use my sales tax exempt? So I literally just have the paper, say, can I use it here? And they say yes or no. Only time I've ever gotten no's is from Ross, Ross Dress for Less. 
but I've actually been getting yeses lately, so it never hurts to ask. Now, I've never had an issue using it out of state except for in Arizona, so I don't know why Arizona was weird. One time, the Tuesday morning, remember those? They were like, oh, we can't use it, but we'll try, and it went through, no problem. Um, Marshalls would not take it, and I was like, whatever, fine. So I have heard that some of the southern states like Tennessee, Georgia, um, Alabama, those stores like regional manager of Marshalls is like being weird. So if you cross state lines, they may or may not take it. But I've never had any issues. So like I said, I would always recommend asking for it and using it. And you again, you just show them the paper, they enter. You're probably already in there from your past Marshalls back home. So it's the same system. So you give them your phone number, they look you up, they hit yeah, and off you go. So definitely still use it out of state. Absolutely. Don't worry about that being out of state. And if they say no, they say no. And you just have to pay tax and you have to buffer that in. But I've never had any problems. And for the most part, I haven't heard of other sellers having too many issues except for those like Marshalls in those some states. Rhonda asked, how do you deal with switcheroos? So that is when you send something in either FBA or FBM and the customer sends you back something that you didn't sell. I actually have one that I need to do. It came back, it was FBA, it was a heated throw, it was supposed to be navy, that's what I sold, even my sticker on the box is navy, and they sent back something that's a white plaid. So it's not the one I sold. If I had to guess, I'd say theirs broke, they wanted a new one, and that's what they did. So what I'm gonna do with this one, since it was FBA, is I'm going to open a claim. It's just a regular old help ticket. So what you need to do with your photos, you have to have a photo of the product, a photo of the LPN, which is the label that Amazon puts on for returns. I save the little paper that comes with it, and I save, um, and I take photos of it, and the photo of the shipping box that Amazon sent it back to me. You need photos of everything. So then I just make a help ticket, I find the transaction, the return transaction, that's in your payments area, and I put that, all that information right there. It's like a, an order, basically. It looks like I said, this is not what I sold. I sold this. This is what it is with the photos. And then they usually, I've always been reimbursed when that happens. And it's pretty easy. Now, FBM, you would want to make a safety claim. So it's in your managed returns. It's like one of the sections there. It's file a safety claim. So you'd put the order in and you would take photos. Again, photos of everything. Photos of all the stickers, everything, the packaging, anything you have. You want to upload photos as proof to Amazon. Describe what happened. If it stinks, write that. Like if it smells like smoke or whatever, write that in there. Um, I had to do one for a mega blocks. I think that was what it was. Those constructions one. Anyways, I sold like, it was like a, not Pikachu, but one of the friends that he was all brown and the box I got back are like red and blue. So clearly this is not the blocks that I sent. So they took the box and sent me back. Again, I did a safety claim and I was able to get my money back for those items. So anything, especially high ticket items, I'm always sending FBM and I'm taking photos. I take a photo of the product all wrapped up and nice and new, the shipping label, the box, I take photos of all of it. Just in case something happens, I have my proof from the start. So definitely with high ticket items, I would absolutely recommend taking photos before you ever send it out. But switcheroos, you just wanna make sure that you file a claim. So if it's an FBA one, you have to do just a regular old help ticket. And if it's FBM, you would wanna do a safety claim. 
Heather asked, how are the low stock level fees going to affect retail arbitrage come April? Because that's when those low level FBA fees come into effect in April. I feel like I've answered this a million times and my answer is, I don't know. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna change my business until it happens in April. Then I'm going to like see what's going on with it. But basically the low level fee is, if it has less than 28 days of supply in the warehouse, they're gonna charge you a little bit more of a fee. The fee varies and at the very most, if it's like a, a large item and it's only got like a week of supply, then it's gonna be a dollar added on. So if you wanted to, if you're only gonna send, you know, if you find a couple of something and you wanna be proactive about it, just buffer in an extra dollar of profit that you're gonna need for FBA fees. Obviously the workaround would be to FBM it because then you're not gonna pay FBA fees anyways. There's less fees with FBM. And if you only have a couple, well, there you go. I, until it comes, I don't, I don't try and guess. You will never hear me spreading Amazon rumors ever because I don't, um, I don't, unless I know someone who it's happened to or it's happened to me, you will not hear me talking any rumors that are going out there. And believe me, I hear them all. So I am just someone who is, when it happens, I'll deal with it because Amazon changes all the time. They could throw this out and do something else. It's still months away. You never know what's gonna happen. So until I see how the fees affect my business, I won't be making any changes to my business. But if you want to be proactive, again, you could FBM the stuff, you could buffer in the extra dollar, and it just comes down to what, um, how they end up calculating those low stock FBA fees. Julia asked, how many IPs can you get before they suspend your account? And then she also asked, what do you do with this stuff that's not, um, that you sold that wasn't what you sold, which we've already covered that one. So I'm just gonna answer the IP one. Technically, you could get shut down with one IP, but it's been my experience, my literal experience, that you have to have two where you didn't do anything with the first one. So anytime you get an IP or counterfeit, they are not the end of the world. They're super easy to deal with. But if you don't do anything with it, if you don't appeal it, then you could get shut down as soon as you get a second one. So you would appeal the IP right in your account health where it shows up. Um, if it's a suspected one, a suspected one you can give yourself when you make bundles. Again, ask me how I know I've done this. And you just delete the product from your inventory and the suspected will go away. If it's a literal IP or counterfeit, you have to appeal it. I have plan of action templates for sale, or if you're in any of my groups, my Bolo groups, any groups, then they're there for you for free. Um, but basically it's telling Amazon, you understand the thing and here's all the action steps that you're gonna do to change to, so it never happens in the future. You delete your listing and the main thing is you have to appeal it. Now, when you first go to appeal it, sometimes you can just acknowledge it. Acknowledge your wrongdoing, check all the little boxes that like, yeah, Amazon, I got it. And then it will come off of your account right away that way. Sometimes that's not an option, in which case you would upload your receipts or invoices. If you don't have an invoice, you can upload your, your receipts, walmart.com, Marshalls, whatever receipt you have. I make a little PDF in a Google slide and I download it as a PDF, but I have the receipt, I have a line, I use the text, write in what the ASIN is, point to it, and those have worked. I've not had any problems. I just submitted some not that long ago. So it still works like that if you have to fully appeal it, but if you can acknowledge it, it'll come off right away. That's the best case scenario. Hey crew, is your Amazon business set up for success this year? Do you know how much profit you really made on the item you just sold? Or what about this? Do you notice when the Amazon FBA fees change on a product in your inventory? These are just some of the reasons why I love Sellerboard and why I've partnered with them on the Your Selling Podcast. 
I have been using Sellerboard for four years now and I absolutely do not know how I'll run my business without it. I love how simple Sellerboard is to use. The desktop version is set up so easy as soon as you connect your Amazon account, all of your products from the past, anything you've ever sold is gonna flow into that. And the way I love it and use it the most is actually when I'm outsourcing. I have Sellerboard app right on my phone and I can visually see the images of the products I'm selling today, yesterday, last month, last year, whatever I wanna look at, I can see it in real time right on my Sellerboard app. Sellerboard is an affordable must-have tool for all Amazon sellers. And as listeners of this podcast, they have given you two months free to try it out for yourself. There's absolutely no credit card required to sign up and you can cancel at any time. Head to yoursellingguide.com slash sellerboardprofit to set up your free trial today. Again, yoursellingguide.com slash sellerboardprofit to get your two month free trial today. Valerie asked, what is everyone doing when their seller app scanning tells them that it's suppressed? And I was like asking more questions because there's a various you know, levels of suppressed and turns out we're talking search suppressed. So this is in seller amp. I do not use seller amp to scan in stores, but I do use it for online arbitrage on my desktop. But so I have seen it, but I don't use it. So in seller amp, I want everyone to remember what seller amp is. It is a scanning software that's using Keepa or maybe it's got its own thing, but I think it's using Keepa. I don't know. I'm not anyways, I don't know, but, um, it's just pulling data and making guesses off of it. So if it's search suppressed, it's pulling that data, it knows it, because you can see it on Amazon that it's search suppressed. Now search suppressed means it won't show up in a search. So if SellerAmp is telling you that when you're scanning it, I wouldn't buy it, I would just pass on it because it's not gonna show up and you would have to list it and then fix the listing to make sure it's not search suppressed. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. And if you're asking me, there's a million products to sell, I'd probably just leave that one on the shelf. If it's buy box suppressed, that is not a problem at all. I do not lower my price to try to make the buy box come back. People still buy it. Actually, buy box suppression is a great thing. It means you can sell it for more money and more money means more profit. So I love buy box suppressed, but search suppressed, I would absolutely pass on it. Another question that I got um, was around what happens when it's telling you it's private label. Seller amp is just guessing based on the data and the data they're guessing off of is how many seller count there is. If there's always been like one to two sellers on it, it's guessing that that's private label, right? Because private label doesn't have a lot of sellers on it. So if that was the case, I would be looking at the listing and looking who the sellers are. If the sellers are in fact the same brand, so it's brand um, Papa Joe's, and Papa Joe's is the one who's selling it. That's the brand on the listing. That's the brand on the seller. That's product, private label, right? It's the same person selling it. So that is a private label listing. I would not be listing on it. If it's Papa Joe's and it's retail one, two, three and retail five, six, seven and retail eight, nine, 10, then like those are all different sellers and you can click in and look if they're affiliated with Papa Joe's, but they're probably not. And so that seller amp might be saying that's private label, but it's probably not, right? Because they're not affiliated with them in any way. So that one I would be safe with. And I just wanna give a shout out to Melissa who asked that question. I knew I had it here somewhere and I just dove right into it. But Melissa was asking, what do you do about the private label or possible private label? Like I said, I don't use seller amp to scan, but I can see it still in the Amazon seller app in store. You can click and see who the sellers are. You can see the brand right in your seller, uh, seller app. So I just use that and I go, okay, the brand is on the listing and the brand is the same brand. Eh, I'm gonna pass. 
Liz asked, should we or should we not create generic listings? Um, I've heard that's the way to do it, and I've also heard people getting shut down. Okay, so this was one of the crazy rumor mills that was going around last Q4 and that I asked in my community, like, hey, has this happened to anyone? Because if it's not happened, it's just, I don't know if you've been on Facebook, other Facebook groups, not mine, mine are great, but the other ones, like the open ones where anyone can join or even Amazon seller like forums, they are just a toxic rumor spreading mill and unless it's factual like i said it doesn't i don't i don't care so what i know is i've had one seller in my community um list they were listing on other generic listings they weren't listings that they created themselves and they weren't bundles so it was like a single of a grocery item and a single of a beauty two different listings and they did get temporarily shut down but they were able to get their account back last year that's the only seller and the thousands of sellers that I've actually heard it happening to. I have my own generic listings that I made. My very first bundles, they are generic. I also, not aware of it, realized that I'm on a couple of toy generic listings and I sold them all Q4 and I actually still have them listed right now because I have a couple, even though they're kind of Christmas themed. But anyways, so I have those listed and nothing has happened to me. I have now moved to making my own branded bundles because I have my brand registered with the USTPO. I have it registered on Amazon. So I'm making my own brands and that would be obviously the safest way to go and how you should all kind of move towards if you're asking me. But you can still make generic listings. I know lots of sellers in my own community who are making them and having great success with them. So at the end of the day, it comes down to your own business. It's your business is your risk level. What are you comfortable with? I personally am continuing to grow my bundle offerings and create more listings to make more replenishable, stable profits where there's the price tanking isn't gonna really happen because I own the listings. So that's how I'm moving my business model into more of, but test everything out for yourself. If you're comfortable with it, I would just test it out and see if it works for you. If the very worst happens and your account gets suspended, you can get it back. I mean, that's the, the thing. Like there's services out there that can help you. It might come down to a couple, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 to get it back, but you can get it back. And I, when I first started, like I said, I got two IPs. I didn't know you had to do anything and I got shut down. I got my account back all on my own. Yes, it was stressful. It was a very stressful weekend, but I got it back in a matter of a couple of days. So it's not the end of the world. It is, it's, it's so stressful, but it's, you don't want to get your account down, right? I know that. But if you want to try generic listings from the information I have, it is safe to try them. Marilee asked, when you are going to list items or when you're sourcing, how do you know how many the sellers have? I used to use how many, but it's not telling me. So how many is literally, it's like how many with a question mark. It's a Chrome extension and it is free. And then they have a paid one too, but I would just get the free one where it will tell you how many that the sellers have in stock. Keepa has this actually, if you have the paid Keepa Chrome extension on your computer and you have it turned on, it actually tells you in the app. Seller AMP also when you're out scanning will tell you, but the thing to remember is these are all, even Keepa, Keepa and Seller AMP, they're just combing and seeing how much is available from each seller. That does not take into account anything that might be on the way to the warehouse or moving around the warehouses. If for whatever reason, Amazon doesn't have it as available online, then it's not gonna show to these other apps. So I recommend looking into it. I don't ever look how many someone has when I'm 
purchasing. I more look at it when I'm going to price or reprice because I want to know, am I trying to compete with someone who has thousands of them? Well, I might as well just list what they're at because they have thousands, right? Or if a price tanker has one, I'm going to let them sell out. I'm not touching my price. I'm not trying to compete with the tanker because they're going to sell out. They only have one. So I don't usually look at it when I'm purchasing on the upfront, but I look at it on the backside and I use Keepa. Again, the paid Keepa Chrome extension has it right in the, um, on the webpage. When you pull up the other offers, it'll tell you how many of the other sellers have. Maria asked, how do you stay organized while sourcing? Okay. I didn't used to be good at this at all, but I am actually getting better. So I have before Tuesday morning went out of business, they have these massive, they're like two times the size of the TJ Maxx and Marshall's reusable bags. What I do is I will put all of my stuff, if I remember, I try to remember to take them into the stores now because it's just easier. Um, they are sturdy, they stand up in my car and they're super easy to organize. But if I go to like Walmart, I usually always forget them at Walmart. So I'll just get all my little plastic Walmart bags, put them inside this one. And now they're semi-organized in my car. And so when I come to pack the shipment, I go, okay, this is my Marshall's bag. And like, I know what it is. The other thing that has helped me tremendously in staying organized for prepping is using the buy list on Inventory Labs Scoutify 2 app. So it's called Scoutify 2 is the app. It's free if you have Inventory Lab and it's a buy list. So I enter everything I'm buying in store. So if I buy five of this hand soap, I'm putting five, I'm putting the store I got it and the cost. It takes me seconds. Now I used to not like it because it felt like it took forever, but it saves me so much time on the back end. So I enter it all, it's in there. And now when I get home to prep the shipment, I just load everything into Inventory Lab and it's all there for me. I print out the stickers and now I'm straight to boxing. I'm straight to taking labels off and prepping. The inputting step is already done. So that buy list has been hugely helpful for me and getting everything kind of organized on sourcing and packing days. Maddie asks, what was your best ah moment of 2023? And I really like this question and I'm gonna do the best like ah, like bad and ah, like good. <laughs> so the bad was for me, hands down, most stressful was this shop build because it, it, the way we did it with the contractor was a little bit weird in that like the building of the barn was included in the bid, which was a lot of money. But then like some of the other, like the AC, the drywall, the painters, the cabinets, the appliances, all of that stuff was not in it. So what ended up happening was in my mind, we've got the bid, but then the other stuff's not in it. And so it just came down to like September, October, all this money coming due. And I just, was bleeding money to the fact that I really felt broke at the end of the year and it's not a good place to be in. I'm sure you guys can all relate if you've ever felt broke. Like just bleeding money into the shop that will pay off in the end, but man, it was not a good feeling. So I, that really caused me a lot of stress and anxiety and just, you know, fear towards the end of 2023. The great thing though, the good thing on my Amazon business is that I was able to grow my bundle offerings a lot last year and I'm gonna continue to this year. So I have a lot of toys that I sold for like, I think it was 3X what I bought it for. And it's just the toys I could get at retail arbitrage. I bundled them, I made my own listings and I was selling them 
Um, one of them I got for $20 selling for $80. I mean, it's an amazing way to grow your business. And so that is always exciting when you see that they're working and paying off. And so I'm just gonna continue that into 2024. So those are my good and my bad, my high and my lows, like ah of 2023. So I'm excited to continue to build my listings. So this is a great question. For one thing, books are ungated because there might be like specific publishers in the book category that are gated or titles, but books is an ungated category. Same thing with home, with kitchen, with office supplies. They are ungated, but there might be brands within the category. So if you're scanning something and you keep scanning KitchenAid, it's gonna keep showing you as gated, but you're ungated in kitchen, you just can't sell KitchenAid brand. So it's important to look at these different things and know that. Uh, for example, if you get ungated in grocery, probably 95% of groceries now gonna be open to you, but there are gonna be some brands. I'm not sure if Starbucks is gated or not. It might be, um, I know Quaker Oats. I cannot sell Quaker Oats, Kellogg cereal. I just don't even scan them. Um, I probably should scan them just to make sure I'm gated, but if you're gated in it, it's just the brands are scanning. So once you get ungated for grocery, then you can sell most grocery, just a few brands here and there may be gated. So I have ungating guides, if you were not aware, um, they still work in 2024, each guide. So there's a toy guide, toy topic, no, there's a toy guide and then there's a grocery topical OTC, like an everything else guide. Each one has three different suppliers you can choose to order from. You can order from all of them. You can order from just one. It's up to you. Um, those guides are available at yoursellingguide.com and they're helpful. They have a community of sellers too to help you out along the way. I'm in there so you can tag me and ask questions in there, but that's available to you. But yeah, once you get the category open, there may always be some ASINs or, um, brands that are still gated. So for example, Under Armour. I think Under Armour shoes is always gated, but the rest of Under Armour I was able to ungate except for I still can't sell shoes. So there's always some things that happen, but for the most part, you will get ungated in the majority of the stuff within the category. Thank you guys so much. I hope this Q&A podcast was helpful. I enjoy doing them, so I'm definitely gonna be doing more throughout the year. And like I said, if you wanna head to Dallas in April, I would love to see you there. Saturday, April 13th, we will be taking on Dallas and having a great time chatting with other Amazon sellers. So head to yoursellingguide.com slash meetup to hear more. Until next week, happy sourcing.